This book was written, no doubt, before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. How do I know that? Well, that fact would have been used as a metaphor to illustrate the point being made in the book. The book's comparing the new covenant with the old covenant and how the old covenant was fulfilled and passing away. The new covenant is something we're to rejoice in and appreciate and live in the light of. And if the temple had been destroyed, it would have been mentioned in this book. And so we do not know who wrote it. There supposedly is an apostolic father said that Paul wrote it in Hebrew and some scholar wrote it in Greek. It's superior Greek to other New Testament books with the exception of Luke and Acts. Dr. Luke was a great writer in the Greek language. He just dives right into his subject. It's written to Jewish believers and it's relevant to us today. He says, uh, others think maybe Apollos may have written it, or even Priscilla. So either he says or she says, but we know that we're written under the power of the Holy Spirit. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. We know God spoke directly through angels and through visions and dreams to prophets, and prophets spoke to his people. So God who did this has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. What are the last days? The last days are the days following the resurrection of Jesus. This is, if you have a pie and cut it in half and eat half of it, that last half is the last of the pie, right? And so I think when we read the word last days, we think last crumbs. No, it's last days. It's the last half of the pie. It may not be a perfect half, maybe more than a half. We don't know. But it's the second, it's the second season. It's the last season, all right? In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. Jesus died on the cross alone. He paid for our sins by himself. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, better than the messengers, better than the prophets. He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. His reputation, his name, his identity is superior to that of angels and to the fathers who spoke in times past. God has spoken to us these days through his son. Can I get an amen? We don't need a new revelation. We need the revelation. And his name is Jesus. There's distracting voices out there like you wouldn't believe to get us passionate about things other than Jesus. Oh, they might relate to Jesus, but unless he's the center, it's just a distraction, I believe. 
For to which of the angels did he ever say? Now he's drawn a conclusion between Jesus and the angels. Angels are wonderful. They're awesome. Billy Graham wrote a book called Angels. He wrote it because he felt people were so preoccupied with demons that he did a lot of research and came out with a book. Amazing stories are in that book. Uh, you may want to get it and read it. There's a story, one of the most amazing stories, a story of a pilot flying in World War II in a, in a uh, what do they call the fights up in the air? Yes, in a dogfight. And he saw a British plane where the pilot was dead, but there was some glowing presence in that plane flying it. There was ever a war against evil. World War II was. There's been some wars for foolish reasons, but that one was... God bless the great generation that fought, helped us to win that. And thank the Lord for angelic intervention. Israel is here today. The stories of angels that have amazingly fought battles for them and helped them overcome impossible odds. Mind you, they're great strategists, brilliant people, but there have been things in their history, modern history, not just history in the Old Testament, but modern history, absolutely amazing angelic intervention. But Jesus is greater than angels. Angels can be a distraction. Some people are preoccupied with angels. Years ago, when we were meeting at another location, it was a public building, Country Love Theater. (laughs) Country Love Theater. Other groups rented it, and someone rented it to host a How to Find Your Angel seminar. (laughs) And so I went in the room where they were going to meet, and I did some praying. Didn't pray against people. I prayed for people. And it was well advertised. Anyway, nobody showed. The poor person was there. No one showed. It's a distraction. I crossed a path with a lady I knew at one of our grocery stores that had a copy machine that she loved to print copies of Precious Moments dolls. You know Precious Moments? And uh, this particular copy machine would include extra specs that weren't in the original. And she told me other copy machines in town didn't do this, but this one revealed angels. And so she was obsessed with these specs. And she'd print copy and then print a copy of that copy, print a copy of that copy, and the, the angels, the specs became more apparent. Saints, that's a distraction. I have a pastor friend in Tyler, someone who was fellowshipping with the congregation he serves, was obsessed with the church purchasing an abandoned theater in town because someone went in there with a camera, with the lights off, and began to take pictures. And in the pictures, there's just white dots all over the photos. It's a photographic phenomenon. I mean, these Lenses have refraction, and then there's dust as well. She was convinced these were angels. We must buy this theater because it is filled with angels. I'm sorry, but angels are not orbs. They're not specks on paper. They're incredible, amazing creatures. But Jesus is greater. To which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, Today I have begotten you. 
Is there any angel God said that to? Psalm Psalm 2 verse 7 says that. Jesus fulfilled that. When was Jesus begotten? Stay with me and we'll see. And again, question being asked, to which angels did he ever say, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. You say that to any angel? No. As special as they are, that's never been said to any one of them. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let the angels of God worship him. This is talking about Jesus. When was he first born? He's always been. So when was he born? When he rose from the dead. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the firstborn to rise from the dead eternally. There had been other resurrections, but they all died again. Lazarus had to go back. Maybe that's why Jesus wept. Oh, I'm bringing him back to this place. Angels don't want to be worshipped if they're true angels. I mean, there's some fallen ones that would like to have your worship. But they are told to worship Jesus. Folks, Jesus is divine. He's greater than the angels. But what does he say to the angels? Verse 7, And of the angels he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers or servants a flame of fire. So they have assignments. But it's not to be begotten. It's not to be the firstborn. And it's not to be worshipped. But they are to worship. But to the Son, he says, he's quoting these Old Testament verses, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. That's Jesus being called God. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness, more than your companions. That's the Father and the Son. And here's something else said to the Son, verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. So as the Word, Jesus was the Word made flesh, as the Word, the Father created through him, let there be, he said, he said, he said, through his word. Verse 11, they will perish. The things he created will perish. But you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up. And they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not fail. So what's going on in the natural realm? Why is it getting hotter and hotter? I think there's more going on than the gas combustion engine. I really do. And I don't think our leaders really believe that. If they did, they would outlaw the drive through window. I mean, look at all those cars sitting there. How many hours a day and engines a day are sitting there waiting on their turn just sitting there, warming up the atmosphere, 
Filling it with carbon monoxide. Getting distracted, Pastor Allen. Get back on the text here. So the, the universe is going to be changed. The Bible says the earth will melt with a fervent heat. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But the Lord is the same. Another verse in this book, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But to which of the angels, he's back to this comparison again, has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? The enemies of Jesus are his footstool. We don't fully see them. Death is his footstool, but we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Death is not yet under our feet. It's still a reality. It's a necessary evil we live with, but one day it's going to be under our feet. So that's why Jesus is at the right hand of the Father until his part is done. He's sitting down. He's finished. He has done the work, spoken the word, created the redemption path for us to be saved, and we have jobs to do as his expressions in the earth. Now, back to what the angels do, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So the angels are God's servants. But the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than them. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If he's greater than angels, and he just made the point he is and how he is, and their words carried consequences if you did not abide by them, what would be the consequences of us ignoring the words of the Son of God? The Word of God was not made flesh to come down here and utter meaningless platitudes. I had a preacher one time, I was talking about the commands of Christ and how convicting they are, and he says, Jesus spoke in the ideal. God doesn't expect anybody to live that way. <laughs> like he just uses hyperbole to get you to the altar to get you saved, and it's okay to live like hell? I don't think so. So we should not neglect what Jesus has to say, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So as we go out, we've been commissioned today, as we go out declaring the good news of Jesus, sharing our testimony, how you became a believer, or how, how the Lord helped you solve a problem, the Lord will back you up. He'll confirm it in some kind of way. They may chase you down the next time you see him. You won't believe what happened. <laughs> but first it's our obedience, and then the Lord confirms it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray you'd speak to us in such a way that we walk in all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to preach through Hebrews if the Lord would enable me to do it.
everything's as the Lord wills right. Hebrews greater things, or Hebrews better things. Sounds like a coffee shop, doesn't it? Greg calls his coffee pot at home Shebrews. <laughs> we brews out there. Hebrews, greater things. Today I'd like to talk to you on the supremacy of Christ. Can we say that? The supremacy of Christ. He is supreme. If he's greater than the angels, who is he compared to Buddha or Muhammad or any of the, the other false religions? He's supreme. Pastor, that's politically incorrect. Well, it's eternally correct. God has spoken to us by his son for these times. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. There's a song that uh, some churches are singing, the cross has the final word, talking about dealing with our sin. Jesus put our sin away at the cross. It is finished. It is done. Jesus has the final word. Can I get an amen? amen. So he spoke to us for these times. He is the appointed heir of all things. So everything belongs to him. Who's a homeowner in the house? your house, right? Well, you stop paying payments, you'll find out who's the real owner. Stop paying taxes, you find out who's the real owner. I have a dear friend who found some information on the internet. He believed it wholeheartedly and declared his homestead a sovereign nation. went to the courthouse in his county to file the appropriate paperwork, they turned him down. He said, those people don't know what they're doing, so he went to Waco and filed the paperwork. Stop paying taxes, stop paying mortgage, stop paying insurance. It's a sovereign nation. Guess who owns that house now? Not him. So everything seems to be going the direction of, of subscription, isn't it? But Jesus owns everything. He paid the subscription. He paid the price. He owns you and I. And his desire is for us to submit to him willingly and pursue him with all our heart. God made the worlds through him. So he's the heir of everything, but he's the creator of everything. So how does he create and then inherit everything? Because he redeemed everything. Redeem means to buy back buy back to exchange who remembers trading stamps snh green stamps for the younger models in the house at grocery stores they've always had these games they play with us i think it's to justify somebody in the owner's family to give them something to do but back in the day you would get stamps for your purchases. And you'd save those stamps in stamp books. And then uh, uh, every region had a redemption center where you would take your books of stamps to purchase things. And when you purchased the pots and pans or whatever you got, the umbrella or the radio, 
you, it was called redeeming it. You would redeem those things with your stamps. You still bought it. It was just a fun way to do it. Christ bought us. We've been redeemed. It didn't cost us a dime. He, we've been bought back. We were his. Our forefather Adam sold us out. And now we're his again through the life of the last Adam. Any born-again people in the house? He's the brightness of God's glory. Just as sunlight is to the sun, so Jesus is to the Father. That's a bad metaphor. We don't worship the sun. But he is God's glory expressed in human form. He's God's personal express image. He is God in the flesh. He is God. You want to see God, look at Jesus. He expressed him perfectly. His image is his character, his reputation, his superiority, Jesus. He upholds all things by his word. So not, not only did he create everything and he redeemed everything and he is inheritor of everything, but he holds everything together. That's why things are going to fold up here one day. He'll speak the word and the holding power of his word will stop. So he's a sustainer of the universe by the word of his power. Can we say Jesus is superior? He has purged our sins by himself. Is he worthy of worship? Amen. So when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping the Father. You're worshiping his express image. Now I know the Father is different than the Son. There's distinctions in the Godhead. But there's unity. It's called triunity. I prefer to say the triunity of God rather than Trinity. You're just trying to shorten it up. Triunity. Why do we always got to just shorten everything up? Takes the beauty out of our understanding. The supremacy of Christ. He sat after purging our sins. He became sin for us, received the punishment due us. When he was done, he arose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sat down because he was done at the right hand of majesty. He sat at the right hand of the majesty on high. When Stephen was being martyred, he saw Jesus standing up. So there are occasions, positionally he's seated, but there are occasions he'll stand up and cheer you on. You and I are not alone because he has sent his Holy Spirit to help us. Amen? I kind of understand God to use a human body as a metaphor He, in Isaiah 52 and 53, Jesus is called the arm of the Lord. And Jesus, who ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, said that he cast out demons by the finger of God. So Jesus is the arm of God, and the Holy Spirit is his finger. They're that connected. They're one, and yet distinct. So he sat at the right hand, the position of authority. The right hand is the position of of authority. He has all authority and power and he's positioned that way. He is much better 
than the angels. So angels are an expression. I've not seen an angel. I've not had any experiences like that. I'm not putting down those. I highly value them. I appreciate them. I understand their need to hide their presence because people will worship them. (laughs) They're awesome. In Revelation, John fell down and an angel told him, get up, don't worship me, worship God. And he inherited a more excellent name than angels. By inheritance, he obtained a more excellent name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue confess. It is the most excellent name. Why is it that when somebody really wants to blaspheme, they choose that name and not some other pagan deity? Because it is blasphemy. Because that's the highest name. Now here's the one that may throw you a curve, but stay with me. He pre-existed his being begotten. He told Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but might have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So he came to a world that was condemned. He was not yet at that point begotten. He said it, but I believe he was begotten when he arose from the dead. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So today is a specific point in time, is it not? It's a time in his life. This did not happen to angels, this happened to Jesus. We're talking about his supremacy. When did God say, you're my son, today I've begotten you? In his ministry, when he was baptized by John the Baptist and a couple other places, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But at no point did the father say, this is my begotten son. To be begotten would imply those who are critical of Christianity and critical of the Trinity, triunity, because you can't be God if you're begotten. Because that's the day you become a father, the day your son was begotten or your daughter was begotten. This is my child. It's the day you got him. If Jesus has always been, when can there be a day when he was begotten? Well, watch this. This is quoting from Psalm 2, verse 7. And the person preaching in Acts 13 says, God has fulfilled this promise to us, their children, in raising up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. So when did the Lord fulfill that promise? By raising up Jesus. It's connected to the resurrection Go to Acts 13 sometime and read the surrounding verses. He's talking about the resurrection. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, that's when the Father could say, today I've begotten you. So the gospel is in the word begotten. That make sense? If you're confused, come to me after service and we'll look at Acts 13 together. 
So he preexisted his being begotten. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. He declared himself to be the begotten son to Nicodemus before it happened. Why? He was destined to die. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was destined to rise from the dead. As God, the son's throne is forever. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So he's a king. He's a righteous king. So many benevolent monarchs go south. And if they don't, the prince who took their place or the princess goes south. Look at the history of monarchies in the world. But Christ's kingdom is eternal. It's forever. He's supreme and he's righteous. The Lord created with his own hands and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. He's driving home a point. All through this book, he's going to be talking about the supremacy of Christ. He's better than this. He's greater than that. Why is it we forget this and get distracted? He's eternal, but his creation is temporary. They will vanish, but you remain. They will all grow old like a garment. He's talking about creation. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. This is why you need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is He is constant. I started to say He's as constant as gravity, but one day gravity is going to lose its hold and cease to be constant for the elect. Can I get, come on, Jesus? His enemies are becoming his footstool. To which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? So he's reigning. We see a lot of work of the enemy out there in the world, don't we? Heaven is God's throne. The earth is his footstool. But one day, one day, everything is going to be under his feet. Every knee will bow. You got two knees, they'll both hit the ground. And every tongue will confess, not just the tongue in your mouth, but the language you speak, that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Spanish, you'll say, Jesus Cristo está el Señor. I'll stop right there before I start messing up languages. You may say, so what? You Christians, yeah, you believe Jesus is superior. Why, why review this? So what? It's important. Let's look where we began and where we ended. We began with God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, 
having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. This is why I think Paul may have written this. Look how long that sentence is. <laughs> In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son is the point he's making. And he starts declaring all these awesome things about him. And then we ended with chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, because Jesus is superior, because God has spoken to us in these last days through his son, therefore we must give the earnest heed, the more earnest heed, not just heed, but earnest heed, not just earnest heed, but more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Who knows, it's easy to become spiritually dry, cold. Kind of maybe not just outright wickedness, but maybe just not as close to the Lord as you can be. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? So we're reading books from the New Testament, the book of Romans, 2 Timothy, by those who heard the Lord's voice. God also bearing witness to what they said, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So you cannot will yourself into a miracle. These things happen according to God's Just because someone dies a premature death in our eyes doesn't mean anyone has the right to condemn them for not having enough faith. In fact, if you want to talk about not having enough faith, the monkey is on the back of those of us who minister to the sick. When the disciples were unable to cast the demons out of a child, he didn't tell the child Oh, you of little faith. He told them, oh, you of little faith. So these amazing things are according to his own will. So what Jesus has to say is important. So if you read it in the red, who has a red letter Bible? When you read the red, it's time to take it extra serious. It doesn't mean the other things are not important. They're important, but this is the Son of God speaking in the last days. There's not any new revelation going to come. This is the revelation. It's amazing to me what people do with the book of Revelation. Coming up with all kinds of stuff. When its title is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus in that book? That's what you want to look for. According to his own will. I love this little cartoon. Two neighboring churches have an upcoming sermon series. One series is what God has said. And the other series is what you would rather hear. Paul talked about a spiritual condition he called itching ears. And we heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. Tell me something good. Tell me that you love me. It doesn't mean we don't need to be excellent in all that we do, 
but the information we receive, if it's always serving our flesh, I went to a Christian bookstore. Eventually, it was one of the largest Christian bookstores in America. It's no longer there. Maybe Amazon did it, or maybe this did it. There was a large stack, like a pallet of books, right in the middle of the store. You couldn't miss it. The title of the book was How to Get What You Want from God. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. That's the real American hymn. So we're talking about greater things. Better things. We're talking about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for revealing to us who you are. And Lord, we've barely scratched the scratch of the surface of who you are. Lord, we thank you for drawing us to yourself, giving us the gift of saving faith, helping us to see the light in such a way that we call on your name to be saved. Lord, we ask that you would use us as instruments to reveal your supremacy everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. We're not looking for new revelation. We're just looking for fresh understanding of the revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get him, tigers. I bless you.